0: Hey friends, it's Katie here and today we have an awesome interview for you with the amazing Misty Grenade. If you don't know of her, let me introduce you. Misty is a mixed media artist or she likes to say she is an artist who likes to glue paper together. Misty is located in northern Alabama with her family. She does a lot of really cool collage techniques and what I personally really love about her work is that it has so much depth in it, both in the layers of paper and the meaning behind it. In today's episode, we will be talking with Missy on how she thinks like an artist. We chat about her two creative principles for her art, what those are, and how she uses them, as well as how she made a creativity a habit by creating yearly challenges for herself. So if you're looking for a little inspiration for your art, Or if you just want to get to know another artist, listen up. This is an interview that I think you're going to love because Misty is such a wonderful person and she shares a lot of creative wisdom, not only in this episode, but on her own website and Instagram. So after listening to this, I would encourage that you go follow Misty on her Instagram and just get to know her better. Are you ready? Okay, let's get to the interview.
1: Hey misty welcome to the Studio Sisters podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. We are so excited that you're here today. um I know that you and Katie have known each other for basically a hundred years it's been,
0: it's about six right?
2: I think it's about six, but also internet years are longer than regular years
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, some of our lifelong friends we met online and uh it it I think you're right it is longer time,
2: yeah, I was looking at that um indie craft thing that we did together Mm -hmm, the interview ages ago and I was like wow that was a long time ago but I I don't
0: that anymore
1: the technology right from five or six years ago it's like mind-blowing how different it is it really is it really is okay so
0: for our listeners that don't know um about six years ago I interviewed Misty on a blog called indie crafts and so now I think it's pretty cool that we're interviewing you again. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> and we can see each other and everything. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's super cool. I
1: didn't even think about that. That's actually how you like, yeah, know how her <laughs> is from an interview that you did. Cool. Okay. Well, we're going to go ahead and get started. So, um, Missy, would you tell us like about yourself and what's your life like so our listeners can get to know you a little bit?
2: Oh, sure. Um, My name is Misty Grenade, and I live in Madison, Alabama. Um, I just called myself a book artist, which I guess I'm a book artist, but I'm also just a regular artist, mixed media artist. Um, And I like to tell people, because a lot of times if you say mixed media artist, people go, you get the head tilt, and they go, what is that? And so often I say I like to glue things together, um, (laughs) because that's basically what I do. And I've been gluing things together since I was about probably about five. I think that's when I discovered the magic of of cutting things out and sticking them to another piece of paper. So um, I've been gluing things together for a really long time, and and I really love paper, which is – that's a weird thing to love, I think. I, I, I don't know. I feel like that's a strange thing where people go, you love paper? But I do. I've always felt like um, – I don't know, sort of this weird connection to pieces of paper. And it can be, you know, old books or, um, you know, just old paper, but also stuff that has nice patterns on it or um, is really grungy. I connect with that. So there's, there's like a whole range of things, just paper that I love, but um, I work out of my house. And right now I'm homeschooling my kids as well. So Um, my, and my, my partner is working from home. So there's a lot of people in our house all all the time. And, uh, I was used to working on my own. And so having all of us here all the time is, is kind of a lot, but it's kind of good too. my, um, youngest child is also an artist. So they sit across from me in our studio and when they're working during the day and they come over and kind of give me the eyeball of like, what's happening over here? What's what you got going on? Um, I get a lot of uh, critique and, uh, um, you know, 14 years old, what are you going to do? You get a lot of critique from that. (laughs) But um, it's also a lot of fun because we do end up working together a lot. So that's kind of what's going on with me. Um, I started uh, the Make Something Every Day project in 2013. I had to look up that date because I couldn't remember. And that was really uh, because I had had kids and had been staying home but I didn't really do anything um and I wanted to call myself an artist can you hear the air quotes there call call myself an artist and I didn't have any work to show for it so I I um just really thought if I started with 20 minutes a day making things and you know I started with gluing things together because that's what I like to do um And then just gradually over the course of the last few years have started selling things and moving into um, taking my work to shows. Um, uh, I mean, I have some work in a museum show this week right now, actually. So, you know, it's just, it's a weird, because I didn't grow up with an artist in the family. Everything that I'm doing now is something I'm sort of having to learn as I go. Um, so I think of it as a really unusual, weird thing in, you know, the people that I know, um, but I love it. I wouldn't want to wouldn't want to do anything else.
1: That's super cool. I think that you've probably seen a lot of changes, as you said, in the past year with everybody working in the house. Um, would you say that that's like changed any of, uh, your like daily habits or what you do in your studio? Uh, well, it really, it really has, because I now am sharing studio space. Essentially, <laughs> uh, we have a,
2: it, it, we had a, a fourth bedroom that we basically turned into an office studio. And so before the pandemic, I was used to having this space all to myself. And so to then share it um, ha- took some adjustment, but I feel like we've done a good job with it. Um, we, um kind of rotate through the house and take turns being in individual spaces. So we're not just like, um, elbow to elbow all the time, but, um, yeah, I, 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 find, I find it interesting because some days I feel like I get more done because I'm not doing outside things. Cause we're here all the time. Um, but then some days I feel like I get less done because I'm having to help with with schoolwork and, um, just more, house stuff because we're all here Um, but you know we've adjusted and I'm thankful that we are able to all stay um, here and 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 not have to worry about people going to school and work so I I I do please don't hear me complaining about getting to stay home because I'm very thankful that we've gotten that that uh, option.
0: Yeah. I think a lot of people can probably relate to like having to now share their office space or creative space.
2: Yeah. It's uh, it's, it's interesting. And like I said, my youngest is also an artist. So um, they have their own space in their room, but they also really like all of my supplies. So they tend to come in here and sort of pilfer through. So we've definitely had to work out some arrangements as far as, you know, this is my time. This is your time. Um, and uh, I, I'm to the point now that I typically take the weekends off which is great because they're not doing school during the weekend and um, they can come in here and work and I can be in another part of the house and not have to share this little bit of space that I have here set up for art making purposes.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay for our listeners here if we just met or imagine yourself just chatting with our listeners. How would you describe your art if we were just like in a coffee shop and you were describing it? Um,
2: Well, I would definitely start with, I glue things together, but then I would probably move to, um, uh, you know, I use old books. I use a lot of found papers. I, um, I, I do paint, but it tends to be really abstract. I often say, if you're looking for a picture of a flower or, you know, a horse, I'm not your girl. Um, you're going to have to find a, um,
1: uh, somebody who paints horses or flowers. Right, right. Uh, Yeah. My, my stuff is
2: definitely really abstract. Um, I, I usually have a lot of, um, uh, kind of conceptual things I'm trying to do and maybe sometimes I pull that off. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, 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 like a lot of color. I tend to be, um, a a lot of color yellow and pink and green and blue and all of
0: them I love that though. like I love all the colors and how vibrant your art is
1: one of my favorite um collections that you have is your women's work collection that I think came about last year is that right
2: yes I actually was I started working on that last no two Novembers ago. Um, <laughs> it feels like all one year, but I, I started it before the pandemic schedule. I was scheduled to do a show here in a local venue. And, um, then the pandemic hit and I ended up doing the bulk of the work after the pandemic. And then the show was last summer, but yeah, it is, um, it's a, both a history project, but also a family history project. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, in thinking about what kinds of things are, um, women's work, um, in, in my family, that's been a lot of homemaking. Um, and so I had, my mom recently moved to live closer to me and she brought with her this whole trunk of, um, crochet pieces from, 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 um, her mother, her grandmother, and then my father's grandmother and mother. So we, we looked through it, but she couldn't remember who made what. It was a lot of, um, a lot of different pieces from family. So we actually were able to sort out pieces for me to use in this show. And so I have taken, uh, women who have done kind of not homemaker things, um, I'm looking at the one here on my wall closest to me. It's Sojourner, Sojourner Truth. Um, and the idea that what we think of a 50s housewife's woman's work and what women often actually do are two very different things. So it's that pairing, sort of that um, juxtaposition of some of the harder tasks that women have done with this softer um, you know, beautification of making doilies and and keeping house and and that sort of thing. So um, I was very pleased with how the show turned out. Um, I ended up donating um, the proceeds because it was during pandemic time. I really felt like it was a good opportunity for me to to donate to a cause. And so um, I ended up donating to the Women's Prison Association. They have an artist program where they take um, arts into women's prison for women to, to do some therapeutic artwork but also to learn some different skills so I was very excited to donate um, the entire proceeds of that show to that project
1: I love that collection and I thought it was super incredible the way that you have this conceptual layer of women's work what does that mean but then also mm-hmm. you have these doilies that were made um, by hand and by somebody else. And, you know, maybe they were used like truly in like housemaking as a decoration or as a, you know, to put a hot plate on or something. And then there, but that actually is a very like impressive skill. Crochet is artwork, even if these didn't necessarily think of themselves oh. as making art. And so I just love all of the layers in that. And not all your layers were paper. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Well, this was really the
2: first time because I am a really avid crocheter as well. Um, I did some doilies for part of the collection. I use a, a good number of antiques, but then I also made some things um, myself. Um, it, it was really, really fascinating to think about, um, you know, these pieces that had been around for, you know, 80 or 100 years Um, and some of them were in bad shape. Like I really tried to be very careful and pick out things that already had holes or stains and use part of it so that I wasn't destroying something that was, um, a family legacy, but yeah, there were so many of them and we don't use like, do you know anyone who has doilies in their house anymore?
1: Not really. No, Um, I have coasters. I have crocheted coasters. Okay,
2: yeah. So but just not in the level I mean like it was a trunk full. Like <laughs> I took a snack away to use and there was still three times as much in the trunk. Um so <laughs> it's it's just funny to me that something that was and you know, maybe it was stuff that they just did to stay busy. I don't know. Maybe they had plans for it you know and that those those folks are gone so i just won't know why they made all the things they made other than just maybe the impulse of making because that's how i am i sometimes i just make something because i want to make it
0: um, i do that all the time so in today's podcast episode our theme is making creativity a habit and as you mentioned earlier you did the make something every day challenge for a few years in a row, right? Where you just, you literally made something every single day. So can you tell us a little bit about that and maybe how it changed your work or you developed a style or whatever you think happened?
2: Sure. Um, Yeah. Like I said, I started in 2013 and um, my goal was always to, to do a whole year and not miss a day. My best year was 2016. I missed two days. And one of those days I had emergency gallbladder surgery. So I felt like at that point I could just shut it down and call it good. Because <laughs> I I mean, 364 days or 63 days is a pretty good run. It's um, yeah. So, but yeah, it, it really those years were just about building a habit. And I had, um, so my rules for the make something everyday project was that I had to work for 20 minutes. Um, I didn't have to complete a thing, but if I could complete a thing, great. Um, and then I had to post a picture on social media. And at the time I mostly posted to my blog, um, which if you go back and look, it's really sad, scary stuff, but you know, I built a habit. I I started making every day. Um, and (laughs) Um, by 2016, I was working. Um, by the end of 2016, I was working steadily enough that I didn't really feel like I needed to challenge myself with that project. Now I've done, excuse me, 100-day projects here and there since then. Um, I've pretty well stopped doing hun- or doing 365 projects at this point because I feel like, I mean, I'm, I'm. That's I spend my time in the studio every day, so. <laughs>
0: I think now you've developed that habit where yes. you don't have to declare it a challenge, you're just making things now. I just make things now, yeah.
2: And um it really I started out making a lot of really small things. I made artist trading cards even though I didn't know any artists to trade with. Um because they were small, right? You could do something, you could finish something in 20 minutes. Um, and I tried art journaling, but I was really bad at it. I didn't quite get it. Like, I don't know why I just didn't get the hang of it. And it wasn't really until, um, after I met you and found get messy that I really started art journaling.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So that was kind of, so, you know, um, ATCs and then, um, I did a few little, like little mini shrines, like in Altoids boxes and those little things that kind of stuff um and I wasn't even thinking about selling anything I did make a few canvases just because I wanted to try it and one of them someone offered to buy and I was like I'm sorry what you what you want to buy a thing I made like that's a thing that can happen and that's really for me when I started thinking about um um selling my work and um I, I, it still just it floors me anytime anybody wants to buy something I've made I just I, it never gets old it's never going to get old
1: I um, think that's the case for every artist but also every like small business right when mm-hmm. someone buys something from you you're there's just instant like confetti and glitter the artist is gonna
0: <laughs> do a happy dance the
1: artist is gonna do the happy dance whenever that happens because you feel yeah. so much in it like you put things into it but then also like the money is meaningful to you in, in a way. And um, so there's so many different parts wrapped up into that. So what would you say is your best advice for artists to motivate themselves in making creativity a habit?
2: Um, Start small, like whatever your goal is, try to break it down into the, the very smallest parts, Um, like 20 minutes a day um like limiting your supplies you know you you know you can really do a lot of creating with a with a post-it note and a pencil um don't um try to make it so you can build the habit Um, and that is making it into small component parts so that's my best advice and and start where you are like whatever your interest is like I love to glue things together like if you are a glue nerd, like get you a glue stick and a magazine and start cutting things out and Um, just paper together and have fun. Yeah. Well, and you know, Katie and I have talked about this a ton that we are not um, supply snobs. Like we have our favorites clearly. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't have to be the most expensive thing um, to get started. Like spend um, I, like, I never want that to be the impediment of, I don't have, I don't have the expensive tools. Like
0: Crayola markers work great. Definitely. Good yeah. place to start. What do you do when you can't seem to create anything or you're in a creative block? Do you just grab those Crayola markers or what do you do?
2: Um, I tend to switch gears, um, because I think, um, you do get tapped out in one vein of creativity. Um, and so if I've been doing a lot of bookmaking or a lot of, um, you know, painting, then I'll do something like, um, you know, I'll spend some some hours crocheting or I'll go make a cake. Um, you know, taking a walk is always a good uh, recharge. I just try to switch gears. Um, at, at the beginning when I first started um make something every day uh feeling like i didn't have any ideas made me panic um because i was like oh well it's gone i'm i'm done like i don't have I any
1: more i don't have any more creative you know ideas i'm done <laughs>
2: yeah like this is over guess i'm off to the new thing whatever that is um and so you know a creative slump can be very disheartening if you've never had one before um, so the best thing to do is to to really switch gears and do something that is that feeds you in a different way. I know y'all hike and, and y'all um, go to the water a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, getting that, outside is definitely
1: that's definitely my thing. Is I go to the water. That's mm-hmm. like the lake or the ocean. I'm always on the water, and I mean that's that's a separate like habit and ritual in and of itself, but it's also really good. Like if I'm stuck on a small business problem or I'm just tired, or honestly, like, even if I'm like, I know I should probably should start a new weaving, but I have no idea what to do. Um, going to the water is, I like that you mentioned that because that's my like thing that I do to switch things up.
2: Yeah. And I really, I very much take it for granted. Um, but my mom bought me a hammock, Um, two summers ago, she found one for really cheap at a yard sale and she was really proud of herself when she brought it over to my house and put it, we put it in the backyard and I have lived in that hammock. Um, and just being outside and listening to the birds and, you know, watching the, the breeze blow the trees and it's just, it is relaxing, but it is also very rejuvenating, when you've been using your creative mind a lot
0: yeah and I think like then when you go back to your creativity or even if you like totally switch creative gears and you've gone from painting to crocheting or anything else like then you're more inspired to start again
2: yes and you know sometimes you have an idea while you've switched gears like your brain is able to process the thing you maybe were noodling on before and you can go oh, now I know how to solve that. Or at least I have an idea to try. Maybe it won't solve it, but I can head in a new direction. Um, So yeah, I find it very useful. Let my brain think on the thing that maybe I'm stuck on. Without my, like, have you thought of anything yet? Have you thought of anything yet? Like, nothing's happening.
1: ConvertKit is our go-to tool for email newsletter subscriptions and automated emails. Every week, we send out a creative newsletter to all of you, our podcast listeners, to help you live your dream life. We send actionable tips for your Etsy shop and social media brand, share our behind-the-scenes process, and first access to our upcoming online courses, and we do all of it with ConvertKit. Many handmade sellers and artists use ConvertKit to build email lists of returning customers, to share behind-the-scenes photos of their work and their studios, to announce new art, new collections, and products when they launch. If you had asked me a couple of years ago about email lists, I would have laughed at you because the focus on social media is so huge, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, a few years ago, I really didn't do anything with email, but now it's like, It's so awesome to use and to reach your customers this way.
1: The reason that an email list is so great for you as a creative entrepreneur and the reason so many small businesses are turning to using email lists is because there's no algorithm to beat. Everyone who's on our email list actually gets the emails we send them. Not everyone who follows you on Instagram or Facebook sees what you post and actually most people don't so if you're looking for a way to build a stronger relationship with your audience and the people who buy your art an email list might be the way to move the needle forward for you
0: we love convertkit because it's super simple to use and you can easily pre-schedule emails to go out well in advance which means i never have to remember to send out a newsletter ConvertKit has transformed my process from randomly sending out emails once in a while and forgetting to stick to a schedule to staying consistent and showing up for our followers.
1: I feel like we can't say enough good things about ConvertKit and the future of email lists for small businesses is right there. So if you want to learn more about this tool, visit shopstudiosisters.com ConvertKit to get a free ConvertKit plan. Hey friends,
0: Katie here. Tell me if this sounds familiar. You're a maker and a creative already selling your handmade products on Etsy. The thing is, you'd really like to be selling more of it, right? Or maybe you've just recently started an Etsy shop and you want to lay a good foundation for your shop. Or your Etsy shop has been collecting dust for a while now and you've been avoiding the tech stuff or the research like I did for so long maybe you've just recently decided that this is your time to get real about Etsy and start doing some serious girl boss business. If any of these are you, I really want you to dive into the basics of Etsy SEO and learn more about getting found by your ideal customers on Etsy. This might sound overwhelming or time consuming, but Taylor and I have created a free guide on how to learn the basics of Etsy SEO and what a long tail keyword is, and some basics of the do's and don'ts of Etsy search tags in just 15 minutes. It's actually easy, fast, and you'll be able to celebrate this win by getting your keywords and search terms on point. You can get our free fast guide to Etsy SEO on our website. Just go to shopstudiosisters.com etsyseo Etsy SEO guide. You can also find the link to it in our show notes. Now, back to the episode.
1: You mentioned to Katie and I that you have two principles that guide your art and that you are um a big fan of mind maps. Like can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that and those two principles? Sure. So uh,
2: once you start doing creative things, um I know that I am and I think you are as well, Katie, and you probably are too, Taylor, where you um like people ask you things and and they say, well, what about this? Do you do this? Do you do this? Do you want to do that? You know, do you teach? Do you record videos? Do you, you know, like, there's just, there's uh, things come up and people ask you. And so I I was thinking about basically how to make decisions. That was my thing is how do I make decisions about um, what, what to do for my, uh, creative career. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, let me, let me, let me start with a mind map. And, um, it started with, I want to make art, right? So that's, that's principle number one. I want to make art. And there are a lot of ways that I I have brand, I, when I drew my first mind map, I think about this little chart a lot where, you know, if you know what a mind map is, you typically have a circle in the middle and then you have little branches with circles off, um, and so mine started out with the make art in the front, in the middle, and that was like work in the studio, um, teach classes, because while teaching is kind of its own thing, it's also like you're all, people often want to make the kind of art you make, so there's an element there, um, and I forget all that I had branched off, so that was my one, and then I was like, okay, but also, if you make art, I want people to see my art. So I have make art and see art. Those are my two principles. Have people see art. Make make my art and then have people see it. Um, and, you know, from there you have, from seeing art, you have Instagram. You have your your Etsy store. You have your blog. You have um, museums or, you know, shows that you can get into um, uh, if you want to, like, try to find a venue that will, you um, sell prints like, you know, like a local store that will sell prints. So there's lots of options there. Um, and the first year I did this from those two groups, I picked a few areas of focus. Um, and for me, um, I, I, I'm not going to go the print route. I've tried making prints a couple times, but a lot of my art has, um, uh, pages that came from magazines or stuff that I can't reproduce. So it ha- I, I, fair use allows me to make one thing and I can sell that one thing, but I can't make, um, re- you know, reprint it and sell the prints. Um, so that's limiting in one way. It's freeing in one way, but it's limiting in one way because, uh, you know, I don't have to worry about prints, but I do have to worry about, Supply and demand, right? Like there's a limited number of things I can make. So yeah, uh, make art and have people see art. And I just I picked a few things that I wanted to focus on the first year, and there was a pandemic. And so this year, um, I've tried to uh, tailor, haha, uh, the things that I would work on where I wouldn't have to be FaceTime, you know, face to face with folks. So um, working on my website, my website's years old and I need to update that and doing some some things like that. So that's those are my principles and um, you know mind mapping helped me sort that out. I'm sure um, there's a bazillion resources on how to do that online but it's a handy tool if you're kind of trying to make a decision tree. But it also helps me filter out things when when people ask and they say do you blah and I go okay well does it you know is it about me making art is it about people seeing my art and I can decide on whether or not I choose to participate based on those two things on on the criteria that I've I've picked out.
1: Gosh, I love that because that was actually my next question for you was how has this mind map impacted your art and you just answered that question it helps you decide. It helps you filter through requests and ideas mm-hmm. that people have and commissions. Like, it helps you decide, does this fit the principles? Does this fit what I want to do? Because it is so easy to, like, get pulled to the side because someone yes. might have a good idea or a good request that sounds good, but then you could get halfway into it and realize, like, why am I doing this? Like, this is not my, I don't do this. And so I- And that's exactly to what happened. To
2: help. That's exactly what happened is someone offered me a good opportunity and I chased that rabbit and it was fabulous and I loved it. But I also realized that I was really far down a road that wasn't serving my principles, right? Like it was really good for the other person, but it wasn't doing what I needed it to do for me. Um, And so it was it was just a really, it's a, it's a really good way to drill down and help you make decisions. Because I want to say yes to everything. I think people have great ideas. And I'm like, well, yeah, that sounds awesome. Let's do that thing. And then I go, oh, but wait, <laughs> that's going to involve a lot of time. And it may not serve um, me making art or people seeing my art.
0: That happens to me all the time. Like I'll get a sponsorship email from a brand or something and I automatically just want to say yes because oh someone wants to work with me I should say yes but then I'm like I mean in the past I've mostly said yes and then sometimes I'm like why am I doing this this isn't really me or my style and then more recently I've learned to say no on some things or like negotiate on like what they want me to do for it so I think maybe implementing your mind mapping technique is a really good idea.
2: Well, and it also lets you go. All right. So I focused on, you know, this group of things this year um, and maybe one of them worked really well, but maybe two or three of them didn't really work. So like mind map again and come up with a new set of things to try um, the next year. So you're not locked in. Like, I feel like I'm locked into my principles, my two principles, how I accomplish those two principles can change as I need them to.
1: Yeah, you can redraw the map, but the principles, the center point still stays the same um, throughout yeah. your your process. That's amazing. I think that um, that would be so helpful to our listeners and they, they could have like, you know, everyone has their own principles. So for someone, their art might, their guiding principle might be make a difference or, see progress over time. Like they always want to, you know, be looking to see their growth. Maybe that's a principle that they have in their art. Right.
2: You know, it's, um, it's totally uh, flexible in that you can um, really uh, uh, figure out what it is you need from it and um, take those things. Um, You know, Katie does a ton of sponsorships. Uh, You know, I'm, my art doesn't really lend itself to sponsorships. So that's not really something I'm ever going to be chasing. Although what Katie does is perfect for that, right? Like, um, and that's the other thing that that I think a lot of people think, oh, I'm not good enough, or my work isn't the right work. And um, I think you have to be very careful not to compare yourself mm-hmm. to other folks and what they're doing. Um, and, and remember that your path is going to be as unique as your art right like what whatever you do with it and maybe maybe all you do and I say all like that's a bad thing it's the the best thing all you do is make art that only you see if that is fulfilling for you and uh, recharges your batteries and makes you feel like a whole person that's fantastic it's doing exactly what it needs to do
0: yeah. You don't have to do exactly what everyone else is doing. Like you get to just decide what makes you a successful artist or creative business person.
2: Yes. And we get, we get told what success looks like by society a lot. Like if you're not making a lot of money, you're not successful. Right. Well, there are lots of artists that don't make a lot of money. Like, yeah. In fact, if you want to make a lot of money, I suggest art be really low on your list because <laughs> no one is getting rich. Um, well, I'm sure there are a few, but most of us, 99% of us are not getting rich making art.
0: Yeah. I think it's like everyone's journey is different.
1: Yeah. every. So every
0: have everyone. a few more um, fun <laughs> questions for you to wrap up our interview today. First up, if you had an extra $1,000 in your creative art business budget, how would you spend it, Misty? <laughs> You know that
2: that sounds like a fun question, but for me, it would be a new computer because my computer is about to be ten years old. Oh, wow! Um, yeah, yeah, I'm 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 getting to the edge of where I am gonna have to just bite the bullet and buy mm-hmm. a new computer. Um, so yeah, I would be glamorous and uh, buy a new Mac.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice.
1: <laughs> What's on your studio desk right now? Um, I have. Uh,
2: Birmingham ink I have one two uh, seven bottles of Birmingham ink that my partner gave me for Valentine's Day I have a crewmate from the video game Among Us that I crocheted that's yellow nice um, I have a, actually a tiny piece from the women's work collection on my desk because it's got yellow on it and yellow is my favorite right now um, I have some Arteza markers I have a whole bunch of fountain pens. I have a glue stick, of course. And of course, I have my giant water bucket right here.
1: To stay hydrated while you create. That's correct.
2: Oh, I also have, I do have a brand new printer right next to me. I got an Epson XP 15,000, which I'm like, did you just make that number up? That's ridiculous. But it's a giant, it's the printer I've always wanted. And it has never been at the price point that I would actually spend money on but it prints 15 by 19 on watercolor paper.
0: Nice. It's amazing. So now you can print more paper, which we both love and glue more things. That's
2: right. That's exactly right.
0: Okay. What is something you're personally learning? And this can be like in your personal life or even more in the art. Like what's something you're learning right now?
2: I am. Well, right now I'm reading a Bob Ross biography. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I'll send you the name of it. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it's it's actually the definitive Bob Ross biography. So um, I might have to read it. Right. I, I'm learning about um, Uncle Bob. I have really been into eco-dyeing right now. Um, so I got a book for Christmas and I've been, I had already been doing some um, onion skins, some coffee dyeing, but um, I'm sort of branching out with the book. There's just so many options for materials you can gather um, both, you know, from like produce, but also to flowers in your yard. So, um, I've been experimenting with eco-dyeing and playing with what I can cook in my kitchen and then dip
1: paper in (laughs) to make more art. (laughs) That's really cool. I'm actually really interested in that too. I've only done avocado dyeing so far, but it was a success. So now I'm ready to move on to like have been saving like onion skins in my freezer so that I can start a project with that soon. Yellow onions are the best. Our last question is where can our listeners find you? Um, my website is misty.grenades.com.
2: Um, that's a good place. I'm on Instagram at misty.grenade. Um, and then I have an Etsy store, which you can find from either of those two places. But I, you know, I have the usual Facebook, Instagram,
1: web page business
0: for our listeners. We will definitely link all of these in the show notes. Thank you yeah, so we'll much. We'll be
1: able to find Misty and see some of her beautiful work, especially the dyeing process and mixed media paper art. We think it's absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much for joining us, Misty today. I loved hearing about the concept of mind mapping and how you're using your principles to sort of filter through and make more art. So I know that our listeners have enjoyed this too.